Did you hear that news story there about a worldwide flower shortage? A worldwide flower shortage. Vilma Leak, hardest hit. That's it. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> For folks who don't know, Vilma Leak wears these huge flowers up on like her shoulder. There was there used to be a Twitter account called Vilma Leak's Flower. Um, and it was a picture of the flower on Vilma Leak's shoulder. She's a county commissioner. I kid the commissioner. I kid. Uh, so, hour number two underway. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. If you want to join the program, that's how you can call. You can also email Pete at the Pete Callender Show, which actually I do have some emails here. Let me jump over and uh, peruse them real quick with you. So, Kevin said that he loves Boomer's insight. I'll have to relay this to him at the next break. He loves Boomer's insight on Trucker Thursdays. Makes me think of lots of traffic flow questions as well. So, you know, we could actually um, we can actually do something with this. Let me think. Let me think. The, the radio guy in me, he's thinking, how about Ask a Boomer? Yeah, we can try something. We could brand it as a bit. It could be a segment, a benchmark, as they call it. We'll just, you know, send questions for Boomer about traffic. Oh, stump a Boomer. Stump Boomer. No, I don't think about it. Look, I know these aren't my best ideas. I'm working, you know, without a net here. And there are no bad ideas under the cone of creativity, as I always say. Uh, David points out the biggest story not being covered is the 2000 Mules Twitter account that got instantly suspended when the movie came out. Yeah, I saw that uh, people are, are lobbying Elon Musk to take an interest in the account as well. And that might actually work. How crazy is that? Tagging Elon Musk, like, hey, another account just got banned, like Babylon B, although this is the 2000 Mules, this is the movie by Dinesh D'Souza uh, that's, that tracked the, uh, we covered this a couple of days ago, that, that, that they tracked pings and such of uh, uh, ballot harvesters, basically, in some of these bigger cities around the country during the last election. Um, speaking of the election... With the balance of the House of Representatives at stake, National Democrats are making a uh, last-minute appeal to a federal court to try to intervene in New York's redistricting dispute. They want to reinstate House maps that were thrown out by the state's highest court. It's a 17-page complaint, according to the New York Times, where the Democrats argue that there simply is not enough time to implement the order from the State Court of Appeals. This is the Purcell principle that you you don't you don't upend elections right as they're getting ready to start because it just creates too much confusion and cost and it's better to let the election proceed while the legal case gets hashed out rather than to create chaos in the electoral system um and by the way yes parties use that in order to um run out the clock They use that in order to prevent the other team from getting an at-bat, if you will. So that's their argument. Um, It's funded by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee on behalf of five New York voters. According to the New York Times, it amounts to a last-gasp effort by party leaders to save a set of lines that could net their party as many as three new seats in the battle for control of the U.S. House of Representatives. That's the, this is why I'm talking about this, uh, this New York uh, 
case. It's because it has implications for the country writ large because the uh, Democrats in New York drew their maps in a way to maximize Democrat advantage, to win as many seats as possible so this way Democrats could be um, protected from the backlash that they are sure to face in the upcoming election, which is also why they are all in on this abortion uh, hysteria with the Roe v. Wade leaking. That's probably, that Occam's razor would say, that that is probably the reason why the internal draft of the Supreme Court opinion got leaked in the first place, right? Because the fundraising hasn't stopped. It has been just a blitz from Democratic candidates and organizations, just fomenting fear and agitating. And by the way, nobody knows what the future holds for this. I I, I know I say this a lot, especially when I'm talking about reporters, but it's also true with these Democrat politicians. You can make all the predictions you want about what will or won't happen. That doesn't make them true. If they turn out to be true, then yes, they would be true. And your prediction would have been true. But you just saying it doesn't make it true. I know you're acting as a canary in the coal mine. You're acting as the sheepdog running the perimeter, barking at all the noises in the night. I understand. But you don't know these things to be true. And we got a call, actually, uh, during one of the breaks asking what happens in North Carolina if the initial draft of the Supreme Court opinion becomes the actual opinion. Then what? What happens in North Carolina? Who gets to dictate that? Well, North Carolina has law already on the books when it comes to abortion. So those laws would stay, right? Those laws would stay because they're our state laws. Now, those state laws comply with the federal laws that now would no longer be controlling, right? So essentially, the legislature would be able to rewrite these laws however they saw fit. Now what happens? Well, you're going to have you're going to have some Republicans that are going to want to go ban abortion all cases. You're going to have some Republicans that are going to say ban abortions but leave exemptions for rape and incest, life of the mother. You're going to have others that say ban abortions only after a certain period of time. And then you're going to have all different fluctuations of opinion inside of that category of how many people or how many weeks uh and how many months and trimesters, people are going to disagree where you set that arbitrary line. And then you're going to have Democrats who, by the way, just not for nothing, have had the opportunity to try to codify Roe v. Wade in the states that they control, and they haven't. So now they're scrambling too. But they've been fundraising on Roe v. Wade and making people afraid that Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. That's what they were uh, using to, you know, grease the skids for their electoral uh, chances and Republicans, yes, they did the same thing because they could go out there. Remember the big fight? This is what actually cost Renee Elmers her seat down in uh, Eastern North Carolina. Remember, or Central North Carolina, uh, when she lost because she had been a proponent of the um, the pain. Was it the uh, the Born Alive Pain Fetal Pain Act? I forget what the name of it was called. But remember, after Republicans won, they had control, and the bill came up. Hey, let's ban abortions. After a certain week, because the baby can feel pain, and she flipped her stance on it. I say that because Republicans have enjoyed an umbrella of protection. Uh, Megan McArdle wrote about this on Twitter today. She was talking about how they've enjoyed this sort of protection because they haven't had to actually legislate this stuff. They just get to use it as a- an issue. But now, if this opinion does turn out to be the final opinion, 
Now Republicans are going to have to actually do these things. How many of them cave? How many of them? But here's the other thing. In North Carolina, if you start changing the law, you're going to need the governor to sign off on it. And if he vetoes it, then the law does not get changed. Now, maybe you peel some Democrats away, get them to support your changes. Some of them will, depending on those changes. But this is what democracy looks like. All you lefties that walk through the streets chanting about what democracy looks like, this is what it looks like. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, The Pete Callender Show, LegalInsurrection.com. Talking about how the uh, New York Democrats were gerrymandering the bejeebus out of the Empire State up there in order to try to keep control of the House of Representatives for the Democrats at the national level. So all of the focus on those mean, evil, racist Republicans gerrymandering in North Carolina... Meanwhile, they're gerrymandering up in New York for political advantage. In a state, by the way, that has a constitutional amendment (laughs) where you're not supposed to gerrymander. New York State Democrats designed a congressional redistricting map that was so egregious, a judge threw it out calling it unconstitutionally drawn with political bias. The Court of Appeals, which in New York, the Court of Appeals is the highest court in the state, which is... It's as insane as the state is. It is. Like, why would the Court of Appeals be the highest over the Supreme Court? Right? What does Supreme mean here, people? Do words not mean anything at all in New York? Okay. So the Court of Appeals threw out the Democrat map and appointed a special master to redraw the districts. Here's from the opinion. Quote, in 2014, the people of the state of New York amended the state constitution to adopt historic reforms of the redistricting process by requiring, in a carefully structured process, the creation of electoral maps by an independent redistricting commission and by declaring unconstitutional certain undemocratic practices, such as partisan gerrymandering and racial gerrymandering. No one disputes that this year, during the first redistricting cycle to follow this plan, that the Independent Redistricting Commission and the state legislature failed to follow the procedure commanded by the state constitution. So think about that. In 2014, they go about setting up this commission. They set about a process. They put it into the state constitution. And the first chance they get to scrap it all and stick their thumbs on the scale so they can win the U.S. House, they do so. A stalemate within the committee, their commission rather, the Independent Redistricting Commission, the IRC, there was a stalemate that resulted in a breakdown in the mandatory process for submission of electoral maps to the legislature. So the legislature responded by creating and enacting maps in a non-transparent manner. (gasps) No. Controlled exclusively by the dominant political party, a.k.a. the Democrats, doing exactly what they would have done had the 2014 constitutional reforms never even been passed. On these appeals, the primary questions before us are whether this failure to follow the constitutional procedure warrants invalidation of the maps and whether there is record a record to support for uh, the de- the determination of both courts below that the district lines 
were drawn with an unconstitutional partisan intent. And so they say, yes, we answer in the affirmative to both questions. Yes, you shouldn't have uh, you shouldn't have drawn the maps with unconstitutional partisan intent. We find that you did that and you failed to follow the constitutional process. So they threw them out. Democrats under those maps that got tossed, they were set to pick up three to four seats. And they have been counting on those maps to offset redistricting gains by Republicans uh, in states that they control. So just keep that all in mind whenever you hear these arguments that North Carolina needs to uh, create these independent commissions as well. It is an inherently political process, and they're gaming the system in states that they control, and they expect unilateral disarmament uh, by their opponents. That's the game they're playing. All right, so there's this story out of uh, Fox News. Left-wing activist groups are planning to send protesters to the homes of conservative Supreme Court justices following a leak indicating the court may overturn Roe v. Wade. So angry at the prospect of democracy, the pro-democracy rioters are going to threaten violence in protest. Oh, no, no. They would never get violent like they did last night in Los Angeles. They would never get violent like that. Surely there's no example in recent memory of social justice warriors engaging in any kind of violence against political opponents or buildings, for that matter, right? We have no recent recollection. No, no. Joe Biden, in fact, the president, uh, he wants us to believe that it's actually the MAGA crowd. The MAGA crowd, he said, quote, is really the most extreme political organization that has existed in American history, in recent American history. He added that. He had to throw in recent so the brain is not completely gone to mush yet, I guess, because he recognized that, yeah, that's a bit too sweeping of uh, a generalization, even for president sweeping generalization. So what of this statement? MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political organization. What about uh, so recent memory? Is that so what's recent? What would you call recent memory? Um. Would the weather underground, would they be recent? I mean, they set off a bomb in the U.S. Senate. Does that count? No? Black Panthers? Murdering people? How about that? No? What was the group that uh, the kidnapped Patty Hearst? How about them? Worse? Better? More extreme? Less extreme? I'd like to see sort of a scale. Could we get a list we get a list and see where people rank. Because obviously the big one for me would be worse than the Tea Party. How is that possible? The Tea Party was the worst. The Tea Party was the worst. I'm old enough to remember the Tea Party. Probably not a lot of people left alive now do. What with net neutrality killing everybody. But the Tea Party was the worst. Filled with the worst people. Did they all become MAGA? Is that, is that what happened? Is this like all the racists in the South 
became Republicans because the Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Act, but it got signed into law by a Democrat president. So Republicans had to then join or the racists had to join the Republican Party. So is it like that? Where all the Tea Partiers became MAGA? The MAGA crowd is the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. What do you do uh, to organizations like that? Where are the McClatchy reporters running around playing defend or disavow like they do with, well, every single scandal that involves a Republican, right? Where are you guys sticking microphones in people's faces to ask them about whether uh, you, Democrat, do you agree with your president? No, they don't ask that. They don't play this game with their fellow Democrats. This is why I hold reporters in such contempt, by and large, because they are activists with bylines. They engage as activists with bylines. They don't treat the candidates similarly. And that breeds distrust. It also makes the Democrats lazy, makes them intellectually lazy. They can't argue this. So this abortion debate, I welcome it. It doesn't mean that I'm confident that my particular position is going to win. Far from it. Look, I'm a lowercase l libertarian. I am used to losing elections. A lot. (laughs) I've never voted for a president that has won. I've never voted for a candidate for president who won. At a primary level, at a national level, it has never happened, okay? So I have lived, for the most part, in cities where my votes for Republicans get tossed away. My votes for Democrats usually are protest votes, and they lose too. I lose more than I win with my votes, okay? So I know what that's I know what that's like. It's not that I am confident that my argument is going to win the day and and lead to policy. I'm just really curious to hear the left have to argue because they don't do it. They don't do it. They don't they don't engage. They they will engage you with it. What about rape and incest? They'll engage with you on that line. And that is as Ben Shapiro pointed out, that's a fringe argument because it accounts for 1% of pregnancies. 1%. So all right, and this is a, I do this tactic as well. Shapiro mentioned it on Twitter today as well, but I've been doing it also for years, which is say, okay, rape and incest gets exempted. Boom, they're done. What about the rest? The 99%, where do we go with them? Well, now you're going to have to have discussions. As I mentioned earlier, you're going to have all these different opinions inside the GOP, but you also have it inside the Democratic Party. But they don't ever want to have that debate because if they have that debate, once you start defining, you start dividing. And all of a sudden, you're going to find out, because I can think of right off the top of my head, I can think of a couple of state lawmakers, Democrats, who might not be completely on board with a, uh, hey, let's abort everything until it exits the birth canal, right? I don't think there are enough Democrats that are going to sign on to that. I think there are a couple Democrats that, actually, I think there are more than a few that would sign on to, quote unquote, common sense abortion reform i do i know some of their names now i don't know if they'll get through the primary heck the governor's trying to primary one of his own because of stuff like this kirk devere don davis these are guys that they're democrats but they represent conservative districts and they themselves are also kind of conservative 
So do they when when you know the Republicans are in charge in the legislature, you just know, you know that they're going to run whatever bills so you can make whatever arguments you want. You can vote. No, you don't have to vote as if you're the swing vote. Because things change if you're the swing vote. But now you've got these activists who are so angry at the return of democracy. That's what because that's what's going to happen. Right. We will have a return to the legislatures, to the states, if the if the uh, Supreme Court initial rough draft opinion, if that becomes the final opinion, then states will get to decide. And we get to hear the debate. We get to have the debate. And yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be messy and nasty. But that's what democracy looks like, you Antifa idiots. You want me to show you what democracy looks like? This is what democracy looks like. This, this is it. You got the states. They come in. They're like, hey, we're elected representatives. We're going to have these debates. We're going to run these bills. And guess what? If the bills go too far, they'll get thrown out. They'll get thrown out of office. If they don't go far enough, they could get thrown out of office. Or they get changed. They get amended over time. And eventually, hopefully, you arrive at a better set of rules that best reflects your citizens. By the way, what I have just articulated is apolitical. This process should not be partisan. This is the process that the people who are telling me about all the threats to democracy, like you, you are asserting this uh, idea that you know what democracy is and you are the defender and protector of said democracy, I would expect you to be on board. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Blackmail works. It always has. That's why people keep doing it. That's what Jim Treacher writes at his Substack about uh, several things, but this latest example of the, the leaking of this document from the Supreme Court internal deliberations over the Dobbs case that could overturn Roe v. Wade. Melissa Repko is her name. She is a reporter at... Uh, CNBC, I believe. Let me double check that. I think it's CNBC. Why can't I go back? There, uh, go back. Yeah, there we go. What? Oh, yeah, CNBC. Okay, retail reporter. She's a retail reporter. And she promoted a story, as reporters do. Like, I do a story. You put it out onto the, onto the social media. Hey, look at my story. And here's what she describes her story as. Major companies from Walmart to American Airlines have largely stayed silent as the leaked Supreme Court abortion draft sparks outrage. Lauren Feiner and I look at what corporations are and are not saying so far. Why are you asking corporations about their opinion about a leaked internal draft that is not opinion or law? Why? Because it's a warning shot. Right. It's signaling to the corporations, to the people that populate the upper management and the boards. They're saying, look, you better come out against the overturning of Roe v. Wade. If you do not engage in this activist capitalism, then we are going to drag you and we are going to harm your business. I mean, in a journalistic way, of course, just all on the up and up. It's it's journalism. Don't you know? 
Treacher says, why the hell should anybody care about what Disney or Walmart or any other company says about this issue or any other issue? They sell products. They don't exist to congratulate you for holding the correct opinions. Right, this is it, though. Today, it seems like everybody demands validation for every little thing that they think. I just, I, I don't know. Is it, it is probably my nature, my contrarianism, my anti-authority streak. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I do not like the feeling that I'm being manipulated by people who are, you know, these, it's a poor me kind of approach. Do you ever read the Celestine Prophecy years and years ago? Yeah. And I'm not saying I believe it's true or anything like that, but they had some pretty good breakdowns of personality and how people gain energy from other people. Again, I'm not signing on to the whole philosophy. I thought that the categories were instructive. People, people interact with each other in ways that draw energy. This is the premise. Ways that draw energy. And, and you can be the intimidator the interrogator, the aloof, or the poor me. And you can, uh, you can use different approaches depending on who you're dealing with at different times. The poor me, this is the one that drives me nuts the most. And that's what I see in a lot of these people who are just constantly seeking validation for every feeling and thought that comes across their brain. The poor me is the person that walks in and goes... And you say, oh, what's wrong? Nothing. Okay. You sure? <sighs> yeah, I'm fine. Well, no, really, like you could tell me what's, what's going on. <sighs> um, no, no, it's fine. I'll be, I'll be okay. Now, at this point, actually, before this point, I I'm usually pretty hacked off. I do not like, if you've got... If you're not feeling good, I say, hey, how's it going? And you want to talk about how it's not going well, please just tell me how it's not going well. Do not make me drag it out of you because I can feel you sucking the energy out of my life force. I don't actually believe any of that. But that's <laughs> it's but in debate, this stuff matters. People, you can really mess with people. And by the way, you want to know how to short circuit this? I'll tell you. And this does work because I have done this before. This works. Identify it to them. Say, why are you being a poor me? Like, you literally say that to them, and it all crumbles. The whole facade crumbles. I've done it to intimidators. Why are you trying to intimidate me? Just talk to me. Right? I've done that. Interrogators, which I am. Why are you trying to interrogate me? Once identified, people feel like they can't keep pursuing it, and so they got to move to another one of the... Uh, approaches, but they're usually not as well-versed in the other approaches. They rely on one more than the other. So I find these things that were spelled out in the book to be somewhat, uh, it's, got, uh, it's got an air of truthiness to it. Let's say it that way. Some truthiness. So now you've got these leftists who are going to start protesting. This is hilarious. The activists are organizing under the banner, Ruth Sent Us. Ruth Sent Us. That's the name of their, their effort. To go show up at the homes of the Supreme Court justices to try to intimidate them into changing their votes, changing their opinions about the law. This is how the left thinks this should operate. Keep that in mind. The people who are, are going out and, and camping out and trying to intimidate justices into changing their opinions about matters of law they're trying to lecture us about what democracy looks like, which, again, it's three wolves and a lamb voting on dinner. 
So they have this Ruth sent us banner. They've published the supposed home addresses of Justices Amy Coney Barrett, John Roberts, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, Clarence Thomas, and Neil Gorsuch. The great irony here is that they're calling themselves Ruth sent us. You would not be in the position you are in right now. We are all in right now. Had it not been for the notorious RBG herself. Ruth Bader Ginsburg refused to retire during Obama's tenure, despite some pressure that was building. By not retiring, she ended up dying during Trump's term, and we got Amy Coney Barrett. So Ruth sent you? Really? I'm not so sure that's the best banner to be marching under.